You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. Now turn to Exodus 20. Exodus 20 as we continue in our series, The Ten Commandments. Uh, The message title this week is, It's All God's Stuff Anyways. The text, You Shall Not Steal. You Shall Not Steal. I brought with me up to the uh, platform today my key ring. Um, Why do I need keys? Well, because if we don't lock our stuff, people will steal it. That's why we need keys. I went through my key ring this week and uh, I found out there were two keys on there. I couldn't even figure out what they were for anymore. So if you're like a, a key freak and you think the person with the most keys is the most important, you have a different kind of sickness, okay? So that's a different topic altogether. But uh, so I took those two keys off. I threw them away. I haven't needed them for more than a year. Apparently they don't mean anything to me anymore. So I got rid of them. And, uh, but I have some keys on here and they're important to me. Um, uh, this one opens our house. And the reason that I have a key on my, for, uh, for my house is because I believe if I leave it unlocked, people will come in and steal my stuff. And I am to be a steward of it, so, so I have a key. Uh, when we lived up in Muskoka, we uh, lived there for 16 years, never locked our house other than when we went away on vacation. You just didn't do it. When we sold our house, we had to find a key and get some made to give to the next people uh, who would move in. That's just the way it was. The, uh, the next one in my thing is uh, for the mailbox. Um, why do we have to have keys for the mailbox? Because we believe that if we don't lock that little box, somebody will go and they'll steal our stuff. Again, when we lived in Muskoka, the box was at the end of their driveway. Anybody could come and look in it and see and uh, we didn't need keys for that. I've got this fob and it's the key that gets me into the building here at the church and into the main part of the office. The same reason we believe people will steal our stuff. Then I have a a key for my Honda um, that's out there in the parking lot and uh, why do I have a key? I have a key because, because we believe that if we don't lock our vehicle, people will steal it. And for those of you who say, well, I don't need a key for my car, I just go up to the side of it and it opens. Yeah, you still have a fob in your pocket. You're not excluded from this. And you say, I just push a button. You still have security. And we have to have security because people will steal our stuff. Uh, To the point when we moved down here, um, was it eight years ago now, eight or nine years ago, um, I had to call Sue on two or three occasions because my habit up in Muskoka was I would get to the office, I would put the keys down on the floor of the van, the truck, and go in and do my stuff and come out and pick them up and put them in and away I would go. And at least on two occasions, maybe three, I actually locked my keys in the car here because I had to learn to lock the car. I just hadn't learned to take the keys with me when I did that. And uh, so we have keys because... Because we need security, because people will steal our stuff. I have a password for my computer. I have a password for my Google Docs. I have a password for our banking. Why? Because people will steal our stuff. And the Bible says, you shall not steal. You shall not steal. It's found in Exodus chapter 20. Let's stand. We want to honor God as we read his word. And I'm going to read starting in verse 1. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God (coughs) who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God 
visiting the iniquity of the father on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But I show steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the sixth day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do, excuse me, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and he made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. And when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and they trembled and they stood afar off and they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear God, excuse me, do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. And the people stood far off while Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word again. The fact that we can hold it in our hands and we can study it and we can know the truths that you have protected and passed down to us. That we might live in an upright way that would honor and glorify you. And Lord, as we look at this passage today, you shall not steal Lord, would you put on our hearts the impact that this has, the implications of it. The reality is that everything is yours. God, give us ears to hear your word today, minds that we might understand, and then hearts, God, once again, to live passionately out for your fame and your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. You can take your seats. Well, I did a Google search this week on the things people steal. And one of the articles was the, the seven things almost everyone steals. The seven things almost everyone steals. Here's the first one. Pens. Pens. <laughs> See, you don't even feel guilty about that. People steal pens. And the second one was a spot in line. Uh, you're supposed to be getting... Guilty as charged, especially when I'm going on the southbound 404 where it connects to the Don Valley Parkway. And uh, I make my own spot in line sometimes going down there. Your own spot in line. Or you're in a place and you're cutting in on someone and your own spot in line. That was the second one. Uh, the third one was hotel amenities. Hotel amenities. Now, for those of you who don't travel very much, when you, when you get in a hotel, they put little like shampoos and stuff there. Um, you're allowed to have those. Uh, those are there for you. I, I would say even that little pen they give you in the pad. If you want to have those, you can have those. The towels, they're not yours. <laughs> you don't take those. But people do it all of the time. And if you're rich enough to stay in a place that has, um, what do they call those things? How, robes? Um, see, I don't even know what they're called. If you stay in a place like that, uh, they're not for the taking. Okay? Uh, that's the things that people 
they think it's okay to take and they steal. Uh, here's another one, um, a parking spot, a parking spot. Have you ever been the person who is waiting for someone to back out and they're backing out and you know it's a prime spot and you're sitting there and you're there first and you're ready and unfortunately as they back out, you're like, oh no, they're gonna back out towards me. It's gonna open the gate for someone else to get in that spot and they steal your spot. Uh, maybe you're the person who's stolen uh, the other person's spot. Uh, parking spots, that's another thing that people steal. Here's one, this one's gonna hurt some people. Straws, napkins, and condiments. You're at the food court. And you think it's okay to take enough napkins to take care of your meal and the next 10 you're going to eat and Thanksgiving turkey for your family. That stuff's not to take home to replenish your kitchen. Um, you're not supposed to take 50 ketchups so you've got them for your kids. Um, those things are for while you're there. And, uh, and yet... We steal them. I have no idea what this next one was on the list, but lighters. Apparently people love to steal lighters. They, they just like take the little lighters and that's, and then the last one was books and magazines. Uh, those are the seven things almost everyone steals. I was director of a Christian conference center for 16 years before I came here. And in our bookstore, the number one value thing that was stolen was Bibles. Why would you want to steal a Bible so you'll get convicted about stealing things? But I think, I think mostly it's probably kids thinking, I got something cool for my dad. I got like an 80, $80 discount for him for his birthday present. And we would know, we'd pull a box out, it would be empty, and another Bible was gone. CDs went off the rack like crazy. I always just prayed that God would use those to convict people. And it's all God's stuff anyways. Um, Matthew 19 says, and he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. And so if you're wondering whether, well, does this Old Testament stuff apply to me? Jesus makes it really clear. The, the, the commandments do apply, but here he lists it right out. And right in the middle of it is, you shall not steal. All right. So stealing, what is it? What is it? Um, the word means exactly what you think it means. Doesn't need some special translation for you. Doesn't need special implications for you. It, it means exactly what you think. As a matter of fact, the word is broader than you probably even think it is. Um, the word steal literally means to take what is not yours, to kidnap. I never would have thought that would have been covered in the word stealing, but it is. Um, to deceive, to trick. All of those things are ways that we steal. You shall not steal. Stealing is the quintessential something for nothing. I don't have it. I want it. I'm going to take it. We talked a couple of weeks ago about Achan when they went into Jericho and, and the, the battle is done and they win and he goes in and he sees all of this stuff and, and it says, I saw, I wanted, I took. I saw, I wanted, 
I took. And uh, that's what he did. Then we talked about David, David who should have been out in the battle, and he wasn't. He was at home. And in the text, it says that he saw, he inquired, he invited, he took, he stole, he stole what wasn't his when he took Bathsheba. And, And even that was a form of stealing. But it goes back even further than that. It goes back right to Genesis. It goes back to Genesis chapter 3, as a matter of fact. So keep your finger in Exodus 20 and flip back to the very beginning. Adam and Eve are in the garden and they're tempted. And they're tempted to do a lot of things in that temptation, but one of those is to steal. In Genesis 3, verses 4 and 6, it says, But the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Uh, No other gods before me, God on the throne. They're already about to break that commandment, um, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight to the eyes, we're seeing covetousness, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. And she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Okay, a little side note, not part of the message. Men, don't ever, ever, ever again in your life say that sin is woman's fault. You just don't read your Bible if you believe that's true. It says, and he was with her. He was standing right there. He was part of the whole problem. So no more jokes about women and how if it wasn't for women, we wouldn't have sin. If it wasn't for, it's all their fault and... Adam wasn't leading like he should have been leading. He wasn't in the place he should have been. He didn't say no. And as a result, she saw, she wanted, she took, she had it, and she gave it to him as well. All right, little side note, not part of the message. You just take that and don't forget it ever in your life. But um, the fruit wasn't theirs to have. And she, in the illustration, decided she wanted what she wanted more than she wanted what God wanted and she took it, took what wasn't hers and had it, she stole. You shall not steal. As a result of that whole combination of that sin that happened, man dies spiritually dead, spiritually separated from God, spiritually now no hope and no way to fix it. So when you think of you shall not steal, the next time you think about taking a pen or cutting in line or, or whatever you're thinking about doing, think about the ramifications of what the original sin had on our world. It separated us from God and gave us no hope of ever being redeemed. Except God loved us and sent his son to be the right and righteous payment for my sin. And when you think about stealing and the things that you take, you go back to the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the hope that you have because Jesus Christ finished the work when you were separated from God, when you had no hope. He came, he became the right and righteous and only true payment that could pay and cover my sin. And he offered it to us as a gift. I didn't have to earn it. I didn't deserve it. God gave it to me in Jesus Christ. And what do I have to do? Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be 
saved. Why? Because man wanted what he wanted. Man wanted to be on the throne. Man took what wasn't his. He was a thief. And yet Jesus Christ is our hope and our only hope. And if you've never trusted Christ, understand what he did for you. And, and your reconciliation with a God who loves you is possible because of what Jesus did. And hey, followers of Jesus Christ, and when you're tempted to sin, it doesn't matter what it is, the stealing, whatever it is, we come back to look what the Lord has done for us in our salvation. That's the foundation. That's our hope. That's where we live from. That is the, that's the motivation for us. It all comes out of what Christ did for us. Stealing. It goes right back to the garden. It separated us from God, made a need for a Savior, and God met that need in Jesus Christ the Lord. Well, we sin in different ways. We sit in, sin in commission, things that we do. I saw the chocolate bar. I wanted the chocolate bar. I took the chocolate bar. I saw the underhanded business opportunity. I wanted the underhanded business opportunity. I took the underhanded business opportunity. We sin through commission. We can also sin through omission by the things that we don't do. And we can steal in the same way. James 4.17 says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it's sin. If you happen to be an employer, you're in the room and you have employees and there's things that they should be getting, uh, benefits they should be getting or things, and you're holding those things back or you're twisting things so they don't look like they really are and you're stealing from them. It's a sin of omission. You're holding on to what you should be giving to them. If you're a parent and you're finding yourself always working and you're not home with your family and your kids are alone too much. I'm not talking about the person who doesn't have any choice, the person who's just trying to make ends meet. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the person who's got it all pretty well figured out and they're the king of their world and, and they're on the throne and... And my kids, I'm taking care of them. They go to the best schools. They go to the best camps. We go on the best trips. We do all those things. And yet, and yet you're not giving to them. You're stealing from them. And the Bible says you shall not steal. Was it ever okay to steal? Is it ever okay to steal? I only found one verse in the Bible that even really gets close to talking about this. And it's in Proverbs 6, verse 30, 31. It says, people do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry. But if he is caught, he will repay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. So in no way, you just read the verse, in no way is it saying it's okay, it's right, it's not wrong to steal. It's not saying that. It's really talking about the way that we would respond and, and we would treat them. But even if there was the case, the case is for the person who's starving to death. And they go and they're not going to make it till tomorrow morning and they steal. Really not a good North American illustration because I'm not sure anybody in North America finds himself in that kind of a situation. There's more government programs and more things available that there's stuff that's available for everyone who asks and everyone who needs. And all I would say is if you're in this church and you're not gonna have lunch today because there's no food in your house, you get to George before you're done today and we'll make sure you're taken care of. Uh, that should never happen in the church. And I would suggest it would be hard to find anybody even anywhere in North America where that really is 
True, there's lots of needy people, there's lots of hurting people, but there's lots of things that meet those needs. You shall not, you shall not steal. So what do we steal from man? What are the things we steal from man? I made a list. I may not have got them all, but I made a list. We, we steal stuff. That's uh, people break in and they take somebody's stuff or, or you uh, go into the office, um, the, um, the room in your office where all the office supplies are and you take stuff and, or just taking stuff. It's not yours. The stuff in the motel, the book, the magazine. We steal stuff. Here's another thing we steal. We steal time. I already mentioned this a little bit, including time from your spouse or your kids or your family. Don't tell me you're too busy for family. Right after God, they're your next priority, including your wife. They're, they're the priority. Don't steal from them. We steal stuff. We steal time. We can steal money. Um, obviously, that's the easiest one to move. And, um, and maybe you're not on that plan of stealing money, but maybe you are. And you need this words for you today. Um, but interestingly enough, Sue and I, after her dad passed away, he had a desk and we moved it and put it in our garage and we're going through it and we pull out this little beige envelope. I know what it is. It's a, it's a bank envelope. And we opened it up. There wasn't a lot of money in it. There was $70 in it. There was $70 in it. And I could have gone, we've done a lot of running around for him. We've done a lot of planning. I could have justified it every way but sideways why I should just keep the $70. It wasn't mine. It wasn't ours. Now, there's other people who are involved in this, and so we took the $70 and we put it in the bank. And if you're sitting there thinking, that's ridiculous. God's speaking to you today. It wasn't mine. It wasn't mine to keep. It wasn't mine to have. Don't steal. Don't steal. How about this one? Don't steal someone else's credibility by taking credit for what they did so that you can move ahead. Don't steal. Don't steal someone's integrity by gossiping or rumors or half-truths about somebody. Don't steal. Hey, it's 2015. How about this one? Don't steal people's ideas. Don't steal intellectual property. You hear that word used all of the time. Someone else came up with the idea. They deserve the praise for it, and you take it or information that you have and you walk out the door with it and you use it in a different way. It's called stealing. Don't steal. Don't steal the honor that belongs to someone else by failing to give it when they deserve it or failing to speak up the truth when someone tries to give it to you. Don't steal by not paying your debts. If you have debts, pay them. Pay them. It might take a long time, but do what's right. We say, well, we live in a, in a world that just allows us to walk away from things. Don't steal. Pay your debts. Don't steal from the government. Uh, don't do underhanded deals. If you people tell us all the time, you get all these calls too. If you just pay cash, it'll be this price. It's called stealing. The government is set up in such a way that we're supposed to pay tax. Uh, don't steal. And don't offer those deals if, if you're the owner. Don't cheat on your taxes. It's called stealing. I believe we should use every legal loophole we can. We should get every benefit that we can. We should be, we should be educating ourselves and what we can have. But legally, don't cheat. Don't cut corners. It's called stealing. 
Don't take from your employer. Don't take from your employees. Don't take from one another. And you're sitting there and you're saying on some of those things, you're saying, but everybody's doing it. But everybody's doing it. Okay, well, first of all, that's a lie out of the pit of hell. Everybody isn't doing it. Abroad is the way that leads to destruction. There are a lot of people who are doing it. But narrow is the way that leads to heaven. And there are a lot of people who are trying not to do it. And all I would say about that is don't lower the bar that I only have to be as good as the guy next to me. You think about the guy in the next workspace in your office. Well, I'm, I'm better living than he is. Anybody looks at us and looks at me, looks at him. They obviously tell that I'm better living than he is or, or your neighbor or... Really? You're just going to lower the bar to the guy in the next booth? You're going to lower the bar to your neighbor? And as long as you can jump over his bar, that's okay? How about this? Let's raise the bar to what God expects for us. And then we're going to try and live above that bar. That's what we're going to go for. That's what we're going to live to. In Ephesians 4, 28, it says, Let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Don't steal because of the impact it has on others. Here's one. Don't steal from God. Don't steal from God. You see, when you get out there and you take what isn't yours, the first thing that you steal as a follower of Jesus Christ is the glory that belongs to God. The glory that belongs to him. In Philippians 4.19, it says, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And when I take what I take and I want what I want, I steal from God's glory. When I take what I want and I take what's not mine, I steal from his works. He said, My God shall supply all of your need. And when you get out there on your plan thinking you have a better plan, you steal from the ability of God to work in your life. We're going to come back to that on the implications on us. But, but God's works are perfect and he has everything we need. He promises to supply our every need. How dare we would think that I can go ahead and just shortcut here and shortcut here and do this thing over here. And God isn't going to really care. We steal from his glory. We steal from his works. We steal his worship when we take what's not ours. Because when we do that, we're saying, I'm on the throne. I'm first. I'm more important. I'm not going to allow you, God, to even have the opportunity to provide for me in this thing that seems too big for me today. I'm going to shortcut what you have. And we steal from his worship and then the last thing I put about that is um, when you do that, you're not giving your best to him. You're not giving him your best. You're not giving him the best of your time. You're not giving him the best of your talents. You're not giving him the best of your treasures. You're not giving him the best of your trust. You're... In Malachi chapter 3, uh, verses um, 8 through 12, it says this about robbing God, specifically about tithing, but about robbing God. It says, will man rob God? And yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and your contributions, you are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, 
the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down to you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vines in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of, of hosts. When we rob from God what belongs to him in our tithes and in our offerings, we're saying, Lord, you're not enough. I need to fix this on my own. I'm going to step out from under your protection and I'm going to do it my way. And when we rob God, we're saying, you're not enough. You can't supply. I have a better solution. When we steal, we steal from others. When we steal, we steal from God. And when we steal, ultimately, we steal from ourselves as well. And that's really the second point of the message, a stealing what it does I want to talk about seven implications. Seven implications of taking what isn't yours. Now, there could be 20, there could be 15, there could be four. Um, I checked in the Bible, seven's the number of completion, so that's where I stopped. Okay? That's the science behind the number. All right? But here's seven things. Stealing what it does. When we steal, we rob God of the opportunity to provide for us and to, and to display his glory and goodness to his children. When we steal, whatever it is, we rob God of the opportunity to provide for us and display his glory. And that's what he desires to do for his children. Here's the second one. And when we steal, we rob ourselves of increased intimacy with God. When you steal... You rob yourself of, an incre of increased intimacy with God. Well, what do you mean? Well, how about this? You got this guilty conscience now for what you've done and God's word seems dry. It doesn't seem to be alive anymore. Your prayers don't even, you're not even saying them probably anymore. And when you do, they feel like they only go to here and your intimacy and your relationship with God is gone. It happens when we sin. And so when we steal, one of the impacts is intimacy with God is torn down. We're grieving the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the spirit of God and the things that we know that we should be doing that we aren't doing and well, they cause us to grieve God and intimacy is being destroyed with him. Here's the third thing, stealing what it does, it reveals your true character. Stealing reveals who you really are. Stealing reveals, re stealing reveals I want what I want. Stealing reveals, I am on the throne. As a result of that, joy is gone. Faith to trust God for things disintegrates. Peace that passes understanding that you once had, you don't have anymore. Assurance, your own assurance in your walk with God is dissolved. And rest there's no rest for the wicked. 
There's no rest when we're carrying this. I want to go back to the assurance one for just a moment because I want to make sure we understand something. When you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are saved. It's done. The deal is finished. It's locked in. But you can lose your assurance. And we lose our assurance of our salvation when sin is in our lives. And we begin to wonder and we begin to think and the word's not real to us anymore. It's not alive like it was. Prayer's not exciting like it was to come before the Lord. Why? Because there's sin and you don't want to go to your father when you, you know you're dirty. And assurance disappears. Don't steal. It's revealing that you want what you want and the price of it is huge. The joy you once felt the faith to trust God for new and more things. The peace of God and the peace from God. The assurance of knowing he's never going to leave you, he's never going to forsake you. And the rest, the rest that comes from trusting him and watching him work and providing your every need. We reveal our true character when I want what I want. Here's another one. Stealing what it does, it can form a habit. It can form a habit. Uh, one of the people that, uh, I, as I was growing up, I forget who said it, but he said, watch for the disintegration of the little things. Watch for the disintegration of the little things. I've said it a little differently over the last number of weeks. I've said um, we're only two or three decisions away from a disaster in our lives. That's true in our marriage. It's true about murder. It's true now about stealing. It'll be true about lying. It'll be true about covetousness as we get on. Watch for the disintegration of the, of the little things. See, the problem with stealing the pen is then it becomes okay to steal the stapler and then it becomes okay to steal the paper cutter and then it becomes okay to go out the door with the photocopier as you're going home. And it just, it just gets worse and worse and the snowball goes down the hill and it gets out of control and starts with the disintegration of the little things. It becomes a habit. Hey, hey, it worked. I got that pen. Hey, I got that pen. Hey, crime pays. It works. And you end up in a terrible place. It becomes a habit for you. Coming out of that comes a hardened heart. Um, Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And your heart gets hardened to it. And maybe you're sitting here today and you go, are you kidding? Are you actually going to talk to me about stealing pens from the office? Are you actually going to talk to me about that piddly little stuff? And your heart is getting hardened. And you don't even care anymore. And you're unrepentant. And you're not willing to turn and change your mind about these things. Because you're saying, they're not a big deal, Pastor. They're not a big deal. Well, they're going to be a big deal one day. They're going to be a big deal because that snowball is going to keep growing as it goes down the, down the hill. And one day you're going to stand before God with your heart revealed before him. It matters. A hardened heart. That's number five. Number six was the earthly consequences. There are consequences to stealing and depending on what it is, sometimes it's a slap on the wrist. Sometimes it's debt you end up with. Sometimes it's prison. Um, sometimes it's just the impact it'll have on your family and on your friends. And out of that comes the seventh one and that is um, your testimony and trust is broken. Don't steal. Why? 
Because your testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ is broken when you do. Trust of the people around you is broken when you do. It's Christian cutting corners and cheating and that caused people to say those awful words. If that's what a Christian's like, I don't want to have anything to do with them. People would say, I'd rather deal with a pagan than with a Christian. Shame on you and shame on us when those are the kinds of words that are talked about about us because we cut corners or we cheat or we steal. You shall not steal. Robbing the opportunity of being a model of the Lord Jesus Christ brings a reproach on the name of the Lord don't steal. So maybe you're here today and you've gone so far, like I, the Lord's already convicted me of this. I've already dealt with this stuff in my life and, and God is working in my heart and I've grown in this. And hey, to you, I'm saying, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You keep praying, you guard your heart and you be careful and pray for the other people who don't have the victory in this that you have. And if you're here today and the conviction of this and you're like, oh, it's just a little thing, it's just a little thing, it's a, it's a little thing that's gonna become a big thing. Allow God, the weight of this, allow God to bring that on you. you go, I'm, I'm fixing this today. I'm, I'm gonna think about this like God thinks about this. I'm gonna stop thinking about this like the world thinks about it. I'm gonna think about this like God thinks about it and I'm gonna do something about it. I'm gonna get right with God if I need to, whatever it is. I'm gonna go get right with the person. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. But here's the great hope. Not a single person in the room needs to leave defeated today. You can feel overwhelmed by maybe what you've done or how you're doing some things and you gotta get that fixed. And here's the great thing. You start by coming to the Lord. You come to the Lord and you get it right with him and you confess your sin and you repent and you make your commitments and you start to think differently and you walk out of this room with a clean slate again. That carte blanche, that justification that happens in our salvation, that picture of total forgiveness is available to you today. And you don't have to leave with a guilty heart. You don't have to leave with that guilt all over you anymore. There's hope because of the finished work of Christ. He finished the work that saved me and now he continues to do the work that keeps me every day. Yeah, falling forward, I gotta get up, I dust myself off, I confess my sin, I get right with the Lord and I move on because God is not a God who forgives me once or twice or five times or 10 times or 50 times. Hey, I'm up into the thousands of times in my life and, and God is still faithful and he'll be faithful for you. And so you can leave with hope and confidence and boldness because the God who loves us and forgives us, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of them, all of them in scope, in quantity, all of them. Well, so what? So what? The message is simple and it's clear. You shall not steal. The confrontation is, you're a thief. You're a thief. I gotta tell you, I'm trying to look generally across the room right now and not look at anybody specifically, but you're a thief. And when you steal 
you steal God's glory. The instruction is don't steal anymore. Let him who steals, steal no more. And the transformation is, it's all God's stuff anyways. So live with that in mind. You're a steward of what God has given you. Be a good steward of it. And don't try and add to your stewardship what isn't yours. Every time you take out your keys this week, just remind yourself of why you have them so people won't steal your stuff. And then ask yourself the question about, how am I doing with this? How am I doing this as it relates to the people around me? How am I doing this as it relates to my relationship with Almighty God? And what am I stealing out of my own life from what God desires to do? And then let's live for his glory and for his fame. Whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, uh, this is your word and we thank you for it. Father, uh, very simple words, you shall not steal. And yet, Father, we can be guilty of the uh, very things that it should be so simple, it should be so black and white, it should be so obvious, and, and yet we play the game and we cut the corners and, and you've laid it out for us, don't steal. God, break us of ourselves. And give us a passion that we would live out for the fame of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Making things right that need to be made right. Coming before you in confession and repentance and leaving with great victory because of who Jesus Christ is. And we'll give you the praise. And we'll give you the glory because you deserve it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.